Chapter Three of Old Friends and New Fancies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Old Friends and New Fancies, an imaginary sequel to the novels of Jane Austen, by Sybil G. Brinton. Chapter Three. The Darcys found plenty to enjoy during their stay in Bath, as after dutifully allotting part of the day to a call on Lady Catherine, or to joining her at the lower rooms, they were free to make their own engagements, and passed a good deal of their time with Lord and Lady Portinscale, Mr. Morland and the Wentworths, Colonel Fitzwilliam, invariably forming one of the party. James Morland, the Portinscale's youngest guest, had favourably impressed them from the first, being a young man of sense, education, and good address. The experience he had gained from his somewhat unfortunate friendship with the Thorpe family, followed by his closer acquaintance with the Tilneys, had been an incalculable benefit to him in helping to form his character, and in teaching him what are the qualities in a friend which win sincere love and respect. Hard work, resolution and regret for his own follies and the encouragement and kindness he had received from his relations had combined to put isabella thorpe out of his head and to recuperate a heart he had thought blighted over for ever he had within the last few weeks been obliged to resign the curacy he had held since his ordination on account of the ill effects of the air of the valley on his health and was now earnestly hoping to grow strong enough to resume work in some other part of the country, as he had, of course, resolved upon remaining a bachelor all his life, and making his church and parish suffice in place of domestic joys. His somewhat diffident manner in the society of men so much older than himself as Mr. Darcy and Captain Wentworth did him no disservice with them, and before they had known the particulars of his history for many days, mr darcy was meditating upon the possibility of giving him material assistance in his career in the meantime elizabeth independently of lady catherine had exchanged calls with mrs grant whom she found anxious to be friendly more anxious indeed than mary who while appreciating mrs darcy's kindness and charm greatly disliked the patronizing manners of the mistress of rosings park a few days after the concert the sisters spent a morning in mrs darcy's sitting-room elizabeth had never neglected her study of the pianoforte or of singing and as mary at the earnest request of her hostess had brought her harp the pleasure of the whole party sometimes in conversation sometimes in music was ensured colonel fitzwilliam is very fond of music is he not mrs grant said to mrs darcy glancing across the room to where the colonel and her sister were engaged in animated discussion of the latest importations from german composers he really does like it does not praise it out of mere politeness my dear mrs grant he is the most enthusiastic amateur i know i often tell my husband that he would never have fallen in love with me if colonel fitzwilliam and i had not struck up a friendship over music which made him think there was more in me than he had perceived before he himself is not such a good judge of it but my cousin was greatly struck by your sister's playing the other night and it really is appreciation from him i am so glad it will be a pleasure to mary to meet him excuse my asking i cannot quite understand does he live with you 
or with your aunt with neither he is our guest when we are in bath and he stays a great deal with us in the country but he has rooms in london and i think honestly prefers town as a residence but that he is so fond of my husband and all his belongings there was a pause and then elizabeth added a sudden thought having flashed through her mind he is an excellent man it is impossible for us to think more highly of anyone than we do of him but he labours under what he considers to be an insuperable disadvantage he is a younger son and therefore not much blessed by this world's goods she had hardly finished speaking when the door opened to admit two ladies whom she recognised as her aunt's latest protégés dear me exclaimed anne Steele before she was fairly in the room quite a cosy little musical party i declare lord what a pity we have interrupted the music we wouldn't have it if we'd have known and here we've run all the way upstairs lucy managed to silence her sister and began a kind of tour of the room making formal greetings to everyone she knew and poising in so pointed a way before mrs grant and mary that elizabeth with great reluctance was obliged to introduce mrs robert ferrars and miss Steele. this accomplished lucy's errand was allowed to be divulged we are driving out with lady catherine in the barouche landau and she called here in passing to say if colonel fitzwilliam was in she would like him to come too and make forth she explained with assistance from anne we are not going far she added for the benefit of the company in general only to monkton coombe and back before dinner poor mr burr is so very unwell to-day she did not feel inclined to drive out and my sister and i just happened to be calling in pulteney street as lady catherine was starting out so she was so very kind as to bring us along it is fortunate said elizabeth smilingly that my aunt was able to secure your companionship for as i have visitors i'm not sure that i could spare my cousin this morning she glanced at fitzwilliam who was impatiently waiting for an opportunity to answer no certainly not i am much obliged but i am not able to come to-day miss steele's manner suffered from a diminution of sprightliness even while she urged on the colonel the necessity of taking advantage of the fine weather but darcy quietly interposed with is my aunt's carriage at the door lucy was obliged to admit that it was shall we go and make your excuses then fitzwilliam he continued if our guests will kindly excuse us for a moment will you give mrs ferrars your arm mrs ferrars i greatly regret not being able to detain you but i know it would not be kind as my aunt has such a dislike to be kept waiting especially in the open street the result of this was that without quite knowing how it happened lucy and her sister found themselves in the hall again almost as soon as the waiter showed them up were in the carriage and driving away the apologies of the gentleman having been graciously accepted and mr darcy was saying to his friend as they returned the only way with these people is firmness you are much too gentle i don't feel particularly gentle after that interruption replied the other though you got me out of it very well my aunt seems to have a special grudge against me this time i suppose she is working off her irritation well rather on me than on your sister i do not believe it is that answered darcy she is and always was a tool in the hands of unscrupulous flatterers if it were worth while elizabeth and i would rush to the rescue 
but there is sure to be a tremendous explosion before long they will all quarrel violently she will come and tell us that they are ungrateful vipers or something like that and next year it will begin all over again with someone else well cried elizabeth as they opened the door did aunt Catherine mind no he has got off with a whole skin this time replied her husband or rather not quite a whole one for he has had to pledge himself to join the expedition to clifton tomorrow instead i have forgotten that expedition to clifton elizabeth exclaimed in dismay i wish it would rain but if it did we should only have to go another day mr morland have you been to clifton oh do say it would be quite new to you you can't is there no one who has never been there my aunt makes up a party every year for her newest friends and we always do the same things and make the same remarks elizabeth's forecast created much amusement and miss crawford said everything i hear beforehand of lady catherine is very alarming to a stranger like myself i shall have to have caught a bad cold before her reception next week for i shall not have the courage to appear and play oh no miss crawford you must appear said darcy we are all too bad with our jokes about her for really she means to be very kind but we have got into shocking ways since my wife married into the family on the contrary i think i have educated you all admirably you are a privileged person you see said colonel fitzwilliam miss crawford will you do us the kindness of playing again i want to reap the advantage of the present moment as the reception is a long way off the lady acceded with willingness and at the conclusion of her piece colonel fitzwilliam sat down near her and found himself soon conversing with more ease and enjoyment than he had done for many months their talk was only of the most ordinary subjects but the colonel's simplicity and culture appealed to the best that was in mary and he found in her a ready sympathy felt rather than expressed his views of london life so pleasant so stimulating for the greater part of the year but the country was better for a permanent home exactly coincided with mary's and almost to her surprise she heard herself vehemently asserting that town might be the place to make friends but the country was the place to enjoy them you are a lover of country sports questioned the colonel of riding and driving mary answered enthusiastically though repressing a sigh at the recollection of her first riding lessons did she ride at bath he could recommend her some good livery stables his cousin mrs darcy did not care for it else some agreeable plans might have been made meantime the conversation was quite as animated in the other group james morland was asking if the ladies were those whom general tilney and his son had lately met at dinner in pulteney street yes you are right replied elizabeth did you hear of that dinner party lady portinscale told me i should not otherwise have known for i don't see much of the general and captain tilney james morland answered with a smile i thought eleanor told me all was forgiven catherine is but her relations do not pass the censor still it does not matter in the least so long as he is kind to her and i think i may say he is i suppose he is often at the portinscales observed elizabeth fairly often but lord portinscale contrives that he does not stay too long he thinks it worries eleanor and as you know she is anxious to take care of herself and go in thoroughly for the cure 
dear eleanor i am so devoted to her yes indeed one would be she is the kindest friend any one could possibly have do you know mrs darcy they insist on my having a sitting-room to myself where i can read undisturbed or i can spend my time with them just as i like that is a nice arrangement and you are better for coming to bath yes a great deal better i should be able to get to work in a very short time now if only rather mournfully some work could be found i am sure it can if you are patient said elizabeth kindly the very thing one wants often drops upon one unexpectedly do you know our part of the world at all you must come and pay us a visit some time the derbyshire air is splendidly bracing and would benefit you morland said all that was proper and elizabeth who had been trying unsuccessfully to catch her husband's eye continued we are fortunate in our rector at home and even more fortunate in his wife they have just come to pemberley and oddly enough they are related to these very people of whom we have been talking but as different from them as possible indeed the ferrars or steel i have not made them out yet mr edward ferrars our rector is a brother of mr robert ferrars husband of the lady in blue it is rather difficult to keep mrs robert ferrars off the subject when she is with us as she seems to think it establishes a sort of connection although they don't visit their relations perhaps they will do so now said morland with a slight smile it is your own parish that you mentioned yes it is a fair-sized village that has grown up round the house or rather round a much older house that formerly stood on the site it is such beautiful country mr morland you really must see it mrs grant came towards elizabeth to take leave and they stood chatting together while colonel fitzwilliam and miss crawford rose and joined them tomorrow then at eleven o'clock you are sure suits you the gentleman was saying mrs grant your sister has been so kind as to say that with your permission i may be her escort on a ride if a horse can be found that suits her riding she will enjoy that said mrs grant with momentary surprise she has not ridden for a long time we have never tried to get her on a horse in bath it seemed that the whole thing had been thought of all difficulties could be got over colonel fitzwilliam assured her if she would trust her sister to him for an hour or two and mary having expressed a proper amount of amiability and approbation the arrangement was confirmed but what about your engagement the day at clifton mrs grant unluckily remembered in the midst of the adieu colonel fitzwilliam looked as if he were determined to forget the existence of such a place mr darcy reproached himself for having furthered the scheme and miss crawford immediately said oh pray do not give up that on my account we can ride another day if we care about it not at all miss crawford excuse me but i should not think of giving up our plan it is not at all necessary for me to go to clifton it would not be fair to make you break a prior engagement no let us put it off from to-morrow was the lady's response elizabeth interposed with if you and miss crawford went out a little earlier you could still be at clifton in time for dinner robert which would quite satisfy my aunt darcy joined his advice to his wife's and as a matter can generally be easily arranged by a number of people who are all in favour of it the ride was fixed for ten o'clock and the ladies took their departure among many promises of meeting again 
James Morland shortly afterwards left, Colonel Fitzwilliam accompanying him as far as his road lay in the direction of the livery stables, and Elizabeth sat down to write letters, but she had not got very far before a new idea struck her, which must immediately be acted upon. Darcy, she exclaimed, rising and going to her husband, who was occupied with the newspaper, can you listen to me? I want to help Mr. Morland in some way. I was thinking about it this morning while I was talking to him. He ought to have work to do, and he is such a good young fellow. Could you not make him Mr. Farrar's curate or something? Darcy smiled at his wife's earnestness. You will be surprised to hear, my dear, that I had already thought of helping him. You had? How good of you! You can do it better than anyone else. He will be an object worthy of your interest. But though I had considered the question of the curacy, I had dismissed it as unsatisfactory. Mr. Ferrars does not want a curate, and Mr. Morland does want a living. I do not know if I told you that I heard before I went away that the old rector of Kimpton was likely to resign. If so, I shall have a living to present. And did you think of Mr. Morland? How delightful that would be, the very thing for him. We must not say anything about it at present, for I cannot hurry the old man out, but I expect to hear in the course of a month. I am sure you can bring it about successfully. How well everything is going today. Some dreadful catastrophe is sure to happen soon. What else has gone well? Why, Robert's getting on so excellently with Miss Crawford. She is such a thoroughly nice woman, and it is certain to do Robert good. I would not think too much about that, Lizzie. Robert gets on well with all nice women, and as to Miss Crawford, I should say she is accustomed to receiving a considerable amount of admiration. Nonsense! You shall not spoil my pleasure in it. Why should they not be friends, and nothing more? I took care to do him a good turn, too. I told Mrs. Grant the thing I could about him, namely, that he is not well off. I knew he would tell them himself, and make the most of it, in that disparaging way he has, as if it were a great blot on his character, or some serious personal defect. He has become so diffident the last few months, that I have no patience with him. He does not value himself properly, and causes people to undervalue him. One cannot say that diffidence is a fault of Miss Crawford's other admirer, Sir Walter Elliot. No, the tiresome dressed-up doll. She is so sensible that I cannot understand her having these people for her friends. Perhaps she has no choice. Possibly the acquaintance was of their seeking. She may have made a mistake. Who knows? Even the wisest of us may sometimes be mistaken in our estimates of one another. May we not, Elizabeth? End of chapter 3